This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. He konai purangi te nei na te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Piki mai kake mai. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. Our third winner tonight has won the Hamilton Award, given by the Royal Society Te Aparangi for Early Career Research Excellence in Science. This year, it's gone to Nick Albert from Plant and Food Research for his work into colour and plants. When I caught up with Nick on Skype, I reminded him of our previous meeting, six years ago, in a glasshouse full of mutant petunias. These mutant petunias are actually not so scary. They have variations in the genes that control flower colour. So these mutants might have had uh, white or pale flower colour patterns, uh, the types of things you might see in your garden centre. I was using them because they're really interesting um, tools to understand how genes work together to turn on the pathway that actually makes the pigments, the purple colours that we see. Why do plants even have colour? The colours themselves, the red pigments, evolved quite early in land plants and it's often associated with stress it sort of behaves a bit like a sunscreen against too much intense uh, light. So it actually just acts a bit like a sunshade. And I guess common examples are things like autumn colour, when we start seeing those red colours in autumn. The plants are trying to recover all the nitrogen in, in their leaves as they um, are going to drop off those leaves. But as they're doing it, they are prone to the light stress. And so you usually see that on the sunny uh, morning side, the side of the tree that gets the morning light when it's cold tend to have the deepest colours. And so that's one reason why plants might have these pigments. So we often see a blush of colour in their stems or in their leaves. But they also are really important in our fruit and flower crops because they act as an advertising signal to animals, including us, to say, eat me, I'm ready, or come and pollinate me. So reds and purples, what pigment causes that colour? So it's a pigment called anthocyanin. And anthocyanins are the most abundant uh, type of pigment that ranges in colour from sort of an orangey red like in pelargoniums. All of your main red colours, um, so think of red roses, right through to purples and blues. And we even have some really amazing blues, things like cornflower, which are really quite complicated, but they're still anthocyanin pigments. And you were looking at the genes that cause these colours? Tell me about that. So people have been interested in pigments for a really long time. In Darwin, uh, Mendel, these sorts of variations in the genes that affect colour allow you to understand how genes are inherited, for example. 
But we're really interested in how does one cell get the message that says you need to become coloured now versus the cell next to it that doesn't have that same message. And if you think of something, a flower with a really, really complicated colour pattern, um, something with stripes or spots, so something like an orchid, maybe even an orchid that looks uh, maybe like an, another organism. Sometimes we have flowers that look like moths or quite intricate colour patterns. They've, it's all genetically controlled, and that's really interesting to me. Um, how do you get these ordered patterns out of essentially chaos? You've all got the same genes, but the messages are different. What number of genes are we talking about? To actually make the pigments, maybe around 20 or so that need to be turned on at the right time and place. And if you don't get them all turned on, then you don't get colour. But then there are other genes, the ones that I am working on, and they actually act like a switch and they turn that whole pathway on uh, at the right time. And so there might be, I don't know, maybe another 10 genes that might be involved in that. We're still discovering more. But to go back to your two cells side by side, they've both got the same 20 genes, but in one case they've been turned on and the other case they're turned off? That's right. And we're still understanding some parts of that. Spots are really, really interesting to me. If you think of something like a foxglove, you've got a, a pale sort of purpley pink um, base colour and then inside uh, there are some really, really dark spots. They're very, very pigmented with anthocyanin. But often around those spots it can be white, kind of emphasising um, that colour. And in that case we think that the spot cells are actually inhibiting colour in the cells adjacent as well. But that's, that's an area that's still not well understood. Sounds like an exciting area to be working in, lots of discoveries. Lots of discoveries, lots of surprises. I think what I, I find really engaging about it is when something has worked in an experiment, you can usually see it. <laughs> That's quite rare in biology. Usually it's a colourless liquid in a very small tube. Of course, whereas you get a beautiful flower at the end of it. That's right, yeah. I've actually been working with someone new in the lab uh, on a, a new colour project and they've, they're absolutely thrilled because they know their work has been successful because they're producing really colourful plants. So does this have implications for things other than nice coloured flowers? Is this something you could apply to something like fruits? Absolutely. We're drawn to colour. It's um, something that is quite important to us and we make decisions when we're in the grocery store or selecting a uh, fruit or vegetable uh, from the garden. Colour is really important and we're also interested not only because we like the visual appeal of something, but these pigments are also really good for human health. Um, there are lots of compounds that plants make uh, that contribute to human health benefits. Uh, and anthocyanins are one of these uh, groups of compounds. So we want to make sure that our crops that we keep growing, that they've got really good levels of these. And actually that's getting harder. For example, in apples, high temperature actually inhibits coloration. And so you could have this wonderful crop and it's looking like it's going to be fantastic. And then if a heat wave comes through, you can actually reduce substantially the amount of anthocyanin. 
the crop doesn't look as appealing, no one wants to buy it, and actually it has less of these health-promoting compounds in it. So we're trying to actually breed apple cultivars. Um, this is work, and uh, I'm not directly involved in this, but work at Plant and Food is, is looking at this very issue. And looking at it at a genetic level? That's right. The idea is to breed new cultivars that might be more resistant to higher temperatures. And then if we find plants that are resistant, then we can start working out what are the, what are the genetic changes that allow that to happen. And that's actually really important because once we understand how that might be working in one crop, we might be able to look for similar things in other crops that face the same problem. So this is a way of future-proofing our horticultural industry. Absolutely, and it is really important. Climate change is coming, and breeding takes a long time. So we need kind of all the tools we can use to, to help fast-track this. And, and, and that can be identifying the causative genes. And once you know that, you can actually select for it. You just know which plants to take through to the next generation, just through traditional breeding. Any idea where the work's going to take you to next? We're currently working on understanding why anthocyanins are often located mainly in the skin of fruit. In this case, we're interested in blueberries versus their wild relative bilberries. People who've travelled around Europe uh, might know the, the bilberry. It's sort of a wild blueberry that's really intensely purple. And that's, that's a really interesting example for us to understand what's different between those two really closely related crops. So in a few years' time, if we end up with blueberries that have purple flesh as well as purple skin, we might have you to thank for it. Hopefully, that would be a fantastic outcome. It's certainly what we'd like to work towards. Thanks, Nick. Nick Albert is at Plant and Food Research, and he is winner of the 2020 Hamilton Award for Early Career Research Excellence. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first went to air on the 5th of November 2020. You can listen again and find photos at our webpage rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. We're featuring winners of the 2020 Research Honours this week, so if you are curious to meet some of New Zealand's top researchers, do check those stories out. The website is also where you can sign up for our free email newsletter, which delivers story links directly to your inbox. The subscription link is at the bottom of the webpage. If you're after some new podcasts, do check out the podcast tab at rnz.co.nz. Why not follow us on Facebook and Twitter where we are RNZ Science? Many thanks for your company. Stay safe and catch you next time. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.